0: The GreenSense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor drawing system. Visit CEATECHN.com to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is GreenSense, where we bring you eco innovations that are changing your world just when i thought capitalism was dead i'm inspired by a 75 year old privately held company that is doing financially well by doing good for its customers and employees today's guest comes from a multi-generational family-owned business that makes a fantastic soap that tingles your mind and body with little impact to the environment and a moral code that's good for people planet and business. It's my pleasure to welcome Lisa Bronner, who serves as consumer educator spokesman and author of the longstanding blog, Going Green with Lisa Bronner. Lisa, welcome to the Green Scents Show.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, I have been using Dr. Bronner's uh, peppermint soap for over 35 years now. And thanks for making a fantastic product. You get lots of those. <laughs>
1: I do, I love I love hearing people's Dr. Bronner stories. They always like, how How did you first come across this quirky soap bottle?
0: I came across it when I was uh, studying uh, Taekwondo. Uh, in our studio, somebody brought soap into the locker room and I started Excellent. using it. Excellent, that's it great, I love it. <laughs> so, um, In simple terms, what's Castile soap, and how is it different from regular soap?
1: So, Castile soap refers to a vegetable oil-based soap. It originated in the Castilian region of Spain, where it was made Ah. with olive oil, and uh, in it's evolved a bit, but it still is a cast uh, vegetable-based soap. Should still contain olive oil, as ours uh, does to this day. It differs. Soap is a kind of a generally used word that could be a synthetic detergent bar. It could also be animal-based with uh, tallow or lanolin. Uh, So Castile sort of narrows it down a bit to vegetable oils. And why is that good for you? Vegetable oils, first of all, from a sustainability um, standpoint, they are uh, renewable and uh, cause less detriment to the environment, but most of us aren't thinking about that when we're washing ourselves. Um, Olive oil, coconut oil, uh, and hemp jojoba, and and palm kernel oil, they're all chosen to be the mildest uh, to our skin, and two of those oils, hemp and jojoba, have the closest fatty acid profile to what our skin naturally produces. And so when our skin is depleted, these
0: oils can help replenish them. Well, that's a fantastic, uh, nice, concise summary. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the history of your company. 2023 is the 75th anniversary of the company. And it was founded just shortly after World War II. The world's changed a lot since then. So tell us about your grandfather, Dr. Browner, why and how he started the soap company.
1: Yeah, so Dr. Bronner uh, was my grandfather, Emanuel Bronner is born in Germany, where his family already was making soap. His grandfather started a soap company in Laupheim, Germany in 1858. And his son uh, took the family uh, trade to nearby Heilbronn where he had a very successful soap soap company that had three factories. Um, but the family was Jewish. So during, during World War II, the, all the family assets were destroyed. And, um, my grandfather and his siblings all left Germany, but his parents did not perish during that time. So my grandfather came to the United States in 1929. And, uh, so he was here actually before, uh, before the upheaval in Germany. Um, he had left for more personal reasons, but his, his siblings, uh, escaped during the 30s. Um, And so he was a consultant, traveled around, helped to various other chemical or soap manufacturers. Um, You can sort of trace his route by where his children were born, but eventually he actually came to a message he wanted to spread. It's not where most companies start from, uh, but he had this philosophy that if you've ever seen a bottle of Dr. Bronner's soap, he covers it. And this he, the moral, <laughs> yeah, this he called the Moral ABC, and it was a message of peace and unity across uh, the divisions uh, of mankind, and he wanted to spread that message. But he found that people were not all that interested in hearing about philosophy but everybody uses soap and he happened to be really good at making soap too so he started uh, making his family's uh, castile soap with peppermint essential oil and he put that message on the bottle so that when people took it home and were closeted in their bathrooms with nothing to read they would turn to that bottle which was a pretty brilliant understanding of human behavior right there so that's where we started
0: from Okay, so we got the how and why, and as you just mentioned, your peppermint soap packaging comes in either a milk carton type box or a plastic bottle, and both have that iconic white and blue colors, uh, and writing in very small fonts, and that was my question, what does all that small print say, and why is it on the label? (laughs)
1: Yes, so my grandfather, this was actually why he left Germany, Uh, he did... uh, differ from his his own father who who had a more orthodox um uh understanding of uh their jewish tradition and 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 religion and my grandfather wanted to uh, broaden that embrace or or see see the similarities across various religions and philosophies so that's what he, he came to the united states about um, and what you'll find on the bottle are portions of the writing. Now, what most people don't know, unless you happen to have lined up all the bottles like I have behind me, is that um, fi- the five cents that he developed in his lifetime, the bottles all contain different parts of his writing. Ah. So to get the full <laughs> philosophy, you actually have to read them all Um and some of them are our are, are real our are philosophy his tenets. as i said it was the moral abc like the fundamentals across um that that emerge in all traditions um some of it's his poetry the lavender label actually has his poetry on it uh so He had a lot to say, and we joke, we don't know this for sure, but we joke that when he had another um, inspiration of some message he wanted to share, he would come up with a new scent. So he'd have a fresh new label to to (laughs) put it on.
0: How fun. Well, let's talk about the process of making soap and why your company's special. So let's start with the process. Uh, How how does the soap making process start?
1: Uh, Soap is fascinating, and I, one of the things i love about soap is its longevity it is one of mankind's oldest chemical reactions that people knew how to control Uh, at its most basic a soap is a reaction between an oil or fat and an alkali and some of the earliest forms of those oil or fats would have been from cooking uh, animal fats perhaps dripping down the outside of a pot and ash is a source of alkali um In fact, uh, potassium hydroxide, which is which is one of the alkalis we use today, is also known as caustic potash. Um, Now, of course, that isn't a very purified way to make soap with fireplace ashes and and your cooking fats. But fundamentally, it's the same. And so um, whether somebody noticed that the rocks underneath their cooking fire were getting clean after this uh, mixture emerged or what, um, mankind has been making soap for millennia. Uh, so, and the first soaps probably would have been would have been animal fat based soaps, um, and then later on, uh, laurel oil and uh, olive oil were the earliest vegetable based soaps.
0: Uh, anything else you'd like to add to the process? Sure. So,
1: as I mentioned uh, earlier, the selection of the oils really determines the 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 quality and the characteristics of the end soap. Um the different oils have different interactions with our skin. Once they are saponified, which means they are turned into soap. Um certain oils would be a more aggressive
0: uh, saponified. I might have to use that sometimes. Oh yes. We yeah,
1: like you, you also have to master saponification, which is a great <laughs> word to roll off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we, you have to be very careful about your selection of the oils, and they might be, you know, of course, a little more expensive or harder to come by um, to get the best quality for for the skin. But um, a, a medium chain, uh, the length of the of the carbon chain in the in the oil is what differentiates one uh, oil from another. And if you get right in the sweet spot in the medium chains of the vegetable oils, those make very mild yet effective um, uh, body soaps. So you can have a range of soaps. some that are very aggressive and might be good for industrial uses but would not be good for our bodies. And you could have some that are very short-chained fatty acids and those would uh, not be very effective uh, at cleaning and so you want to get right in the middle of being effective and yet mild.
0: What makes a soap a liquid and what makes it like a hard bar?
1: It, that's where the alkali comes in, so there are two different alkalis that are used to saponify the oils, and one I mentioned is potassium hydroxide, that makes the liquid soap, um, KOH. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is sodium hydroxide, which is commonly known as a lye, and sodium hydroxide makes a solid soap. Um, in order to make our bar soaps very hard because we don't want them turning to mush in a damp uh, shower shelf, um, we also add Uh, sea salt, and that makes them actually a little bit milder since our bodies Mm. are also um, rather salty, and so uh, the sea salt helps to harden the bar in addition to the sodium hydroxide.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the business of making soap. Uh, Your company is a certified B Corporation or a benefits corp. We've covered this a number of times on the show on what that is, so I'm not going to get into it. But to give an illustration of what that may mean is that your company, based on reports I read in 2022, made approximately $180 million in revenue and gave a third of those profits away. That's uh, you know pretty uh, uh, upstanding. So um, your company has six guiding principles. You talked a little bit about that earlier, so let's look at each one. The first is ourselves, work hard and grow. What's that all about? <laughs>
1: Well, if we are not a solid business, profitable and stable, we aren't going to be able to do any of the other good that we want to do. So we have to, and my my grandfather's first uh, tenant of his moral ABC um, was, if I'm not for me, who am I? And the second one, oh, I'm going to jump the gun on your question. I bet you're going to go to number two. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we need to do is to be a solid business. And that's what our cosmic principle number
0: one uh, focuses on. And number two, our customers do right by our customers.
1: Right, exactly. And my grandfather's second principle was, "But if I am only for me, what am I?" And that is where we uh, get our our cosmic principle number two: that we are doing this for the customers' benefit and well being, um, and we need to honor that relationship, um, honoring what it is, what their priorities are. Which, when it comes to soap, is about their personal health and well being, um, and then, of course. Um, Helping them to be part of something that's doing good in the world, which uh, is tied to some of the other ones. Uh,
0: our employees treat employees like families.
1: This one has uh, this one recognizes another part of my grandfather's uh, message. Uh, he was not the originator of this phrase, but. Um, I think it was Buckminster Fuller who might have talked about constructive capitalism, the idea that you share the profits with the workers who created it, um, that without our workforce, we would not have a product to sell and we would not have a company. And so um, very much guiding our company benefits, our company pay and just our, our company morale is this idea that they are family and to realize that while they are our employees, they are also mothers and fathers and and uh and husbands and wives and and members of their communities outside of outside of our 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 factories and so to make sure that we are um you know uh regarding the whole person this has led to our 100 percent no deductible health care vision and dental care um we have 10 percent given up to 10 percent given annually to profit sharing and bonuses uh, we have tuition compensation child care compensation um, we even serve lunch every day so lots of different things that we um we regard the
0: whole person Well, that's why we wanted you on the show. It's so refreshing to talk to a company like this, especially when all these corporations seem to be sucking the life out of their workforce and uh, exploiting the planet just for quarterly profits. Um, Was your grandfather a religious man, a philosopher? Where did he come up with all this?
1: Exactly where he came up with it, we have no idea. Uh, It was hard (laughs) to get him to answer our questions. He. he was always mulling things on such a huge cosmic level, thinking about spaceship Earth and all its inhabitants. Um, so it was difficult to narrow down to, you know, did you learn this in school? Did you have a mentor? Uh, you can sort of find clues to things that he picked up on. For example, he talks about Rabbi Hillel, um, and, who was a founder of a of a of a school of Jewish thought around. Um, around uh the time of christ actually just shortly before that um and very much about embracing um, mankind and um uh treating people the way you want to be treated so i know that was in there but but everything else i think he was just extremely well read open to ideas i i've never seen a source that came close to to compiling what he did so I'm not I don't think he was specifically standing on the shoulders of anyone I mean you'll see Thomas Paine's uh, common sense reference Thomas Jefferson Jeffrey Chaucer Richard Kipling Confucius um, mm. people I hadn't heard of before studying the label so i um, I think it was a pretty original in in what he came up with oh your original question was he religious he, he, uh, I don't know that he would have used that word to describe himself um, I, uh, he was, he Or yeah, a philosopher was, with a code. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> I think that would be perhaps a better way of, of putting it. He, um, he did not ascribe to any, any one religion. Um, although he very much saw himself as embracing all. So his name, actually, still the legal name of our company today is All One God Faith. Um, hmm. so I don't, I don't mean to, to deny the, uh, you know, greater thinking of um, of what he was doing, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't tied to any one faith.
0: Well, you have three more uh, ABCs. The okay. other is our suppliers. Be fair to suppliers.
1: Absolutely, and this is well. I mean, the B Corp evaluation uh, does cover all six of our cosmic principles, but a lot of it focuses on our relationship with our suppliers and our supply chain. Um, I think. I think perhaps the understanding of what it means to be fair to suppliers sometimes gets drastically simplified into the concept of paying them well. And while that's very important and definitely a part of what we're doing, again, that is such a small part of what we're doing. And so being fair to our suppliers has led us to a vertically integrated supply chain. Um, When we decided that we were going to first go organic and then go fair trade with our uh major ingredients the roadblock we ran into was that there was not a supply of organic and fair trade ingredients at the volume we needed them and this would be our coconut oil um, uh, palm oil and peppermint oils were our 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 three biggest ingredients and so we had to found our own Uh, we founded mills we don't own farmland we are not farmers but we work with thousands upon thousands of family farmers we have helped them to transition to organic which is a very expensive Uh, not to mention difficult transition to make and it involves a lot of education. But also again, treating our our farmers, the suppliers that supply us with the raw ingredients, uh, treating them as whole people and realizing that they represent families and communities. So a lot of our work with our supply chains has to do with community investments. And we have a premium that is locally administered in Sri Lanka and Ghana and uh, Uttar Pradesh, India, um, that goes to community improvement projects. It might be fresh water, it might be uh, bathrooms, it might be a bridge, it might be um, equipment for a local hospital, it could be bed nets for malaria prevention, um, school supplies. So it's locally administered, they, they know what they need uh, the best. And uh, so once again, being fair to the suppliers, it's this holistic approach to, to what they're doing, uh, what they need and, and the situation in their communities.
0: A little bit goes a long way in parts of the world. So it's amazing how uh, just a little bit of a donation can really help a lot of people. Uh, Absolutely. Number five, our earth, uh, treat the earth like home. We hear a lot of that uh, on this show, but uh, give us your take.
1: Sure, well, that has to, you know, that leads us to asking the question with every one of our business decisions, are are we leaving the place better than we found it? is our work improving the earth around us uh, as we would our home. My grandfather called the earth spaceship earth. He wanted us to see it as as a vessel, a vehicle that we are occupying, um, that is going somewhere, uh, and that we're all in this together. Uh, and so treating the earth like home has led to some decisions such as um, our Partnering with uh, the Rodale Institute and Patagonia to found the new Regenerative Organic Certification, which is a very complex certification that, um, at the core, is about regenerating the damage that has been done to our Earth, uh, both the the uh, physical Earth, its uh, people, and its animals. So. Um, organic is about doing no harm, which is good, but regenerative is about fixing the harm that has been done. And, um, and so that's just one of the many fronts that we're cognizant of as we are making our business decisions.
0: Patagonia is a great company, and it sounds like there's a lot of parallels between the two. Your last one, our community, fund and fight for what's right. You touched on that. Uh, anything else you'd like to add?
1: Well, we the, we articulated this one because there are a lot of things that we do and we do with our profits that have nothing to do with soap or soap making or our business. Um, supporting uh, the Boys and Girls Club of San Diego uh, or mentoring organizations like Boys to Men, um, uh, being part of community events, um, th- all these things that that really have nothing to do with soap. Uh, another very big uh, part of our activism is actually on the drug policy reform in the United States, which you know people are like, wait a second, you're uh, a soap company. But nonetheless, um, using our voice wherever we can with causes that are close to our hearts and realizing that there are some realms in which some of our uh, fellow humanity is not being treated fairly. And if we can do something about that, then then we're going to do what we can, um, even if it you know doesn't quite connect to soap. And so uh, the fund and fight for what's what's right is um, it kind of catches all of all of those initiatives.
0: Well, those are uh, you know six good principles to lead your life by, and especially a company. And I uh, t- wanted to talk a little bit about you and siblings. You're the granddaughter of the company founder, as we've mentioned. You ha- you're the sister to Mike and David, your-, your two brothers, who are president and CEO of the company. And running family businesses is never easy, uh, You know, especially when it comes to succession planning and, and trying to figure out how the leadership's going to take over. Uh, there's a group I'm familiar with in Chicago called SOBs, which stands for Sons of Business Owners, and a, uh, it's a support group that would share the issues of uh, owning a family business in a confidential setting so that their peers can you know, provide uh, feedback. What kind of challenges have you seen in running a family business and passing down the leadership through the generations, and how have you overcome them? to have such a successful third generation business.
1: Well, this has certainly been uh, a journey for us and uh, we've certainly learned a lot through- You're not uh, alone. (laughs) Yeah, through hard lessons, I would say. So my grandfather, Dr. Bronner made very little provision for the company to pass beyond him. And uh, when he passed away at the age of 89 um, from Parkinson's disease or complications from Parkinson's, um, there was no, there There had been no, nothing put in place, which mm-hmm. means that the company was hit with the full uh, value of, uh, of the estate tax, which was 50% at the time. When my grandfather died, the company was a $3 million company. So that, you know, that's plenty enough to sink a company right there. How do you get, how do you get beyond a uh, uh, $1.5 million tax burden? Um, it took it took a lot of humility, honestly. A lot of saying, "Okay, we're not going to grow, and we're certainly not going to profit for quite some time." Um, we're and we're also going to bring in a lot of expertise because we do not know how we're going to do this. None of us have a background in accounting, or uh, well, my mom was a math teacher, and she's has an amazing instinct. Um, she's still CFO to this day. Uh, But it involved just bringing in a lot of people and listening uh, to wise counsel. I was not involved in the company when this happened. My grandfather passed away when I was 19. Uh, And then, you know, it it fell into my dad and my my uncle Ralph uh, and my mom and to their hands. But unfortunately, my dad was president and had been prepared in his own career to assume the presidency. He hadn't worked for Dr. Bronner's in his own career, uh, but he was prepared to step in. Unfortunately, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer um, two months after my grandfather passed away and he only lived another year. Uh, So we actually really quickly went through two generations and then David, my oldest brother, and came into leadership yeah you know, we had some notice of my my dad's decline uh so but he was only 24 when he came into leadership of Dr. Bronner so um it 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 has taken a lot of uh Hard work, willingness to go without, willingness to you know forego pay sometimes. Obviously, it's not a long term strategy, but there have been times where that's been necessary um, to get through those really hard years. Uh, Dr. Bronner died in 1997, um, and uh, and certainly the transition through into the 2000s was was rocky. Um, Fortunately, my family is very close, even though if you. Put us side by side you might not see that uh david's david's very um flamboyant uh i'm i'm rather you know on the more reserved side but uh in the fundamentals we are very similar and very much value um value relationships uh and and wanting to do what's right so um a lot of communication and intentional time away from the company is very important. Uh, there used to be a Thursday night dinner, would always be a, a family dinner. That was no business allowed. We don't, now that we all have our kids and are going in so many different directions, we haven't been able to maintain that. But I think that was a helpful um, thing that that helped through those, uh, those difficult years, so.
0: Yeah, no It'll business a, is easy, right?
1: <laughs> no, no, and especially family businesses. Um, I think another thing that has helped is that I, I, I am speaking for my brothers without having run this back up first, but I do think that we all feel like we are stewarding something that has been given to hmm. us. Um don't think any of us feel entitled to, to it, uh, but, you know, my grandfather set up something very special and very unique. And um uh, are are having the opportunity to continue to continue his legacy i think is something that we hold very
0: very in high regard so um well you're doing a great to a- job because uh you you were handed over a three million dollar company it's almost a 60 time pop uh, since then so you're doing something right <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: fortunately those those numbers do show that which is good which is
0: nice well in closing, I wanted to move on to your uh, new book. Uh, I think it's out in October. Uh, Soup and uh, soap and soul: a practical guide to minding your home, your body, your spirit with Dr. Bronner's magic soaps. And, uh, so, in the book, you share eco-friendly, non-toxic solutions for cleaning and carry for body, home, and beyond. Give us a quick summary.
1: Yes, so this is where this is my day job. I spend my days engaging with consumers and helping them in their daily tasks. Uh, I get all the questions about how do I use the soap, how do I wash my dog, how do I wash my baby, uh, how do I use this product, and that is my day job. And so this book is partially a compilation of all of those most frequently asked questions. It's got a bunch of recipes. Um, people love to use our soaps in recipes, and, and sometimes those recipes are great, and sometimes people are doing some pretty strange things. And uh, so, give us a strange uh, one. Give us a strange. Well, one. Well, there was there was a very popular glass cleaning recipe that was circulating for a while. Uh, it was um, uh, talked about by several known names, and, and but it involved combining our soap with vinegar. And vinegar is reputed and justly so as a good green cleaner. Um, but you can't mix soap and vinegar. Right, uh, Vinegar is an acid, acid
0: base. <laughs> right. and soap is a base. And so if
1: you mix them, they're going to react and you're going to get this very oily mess. So, uh, you know, uh, talking about ke- the chemistry of soap, hopefully without making people's eyes glaze over is part of what I do. So the book is partially that, but personally, I thought that that would be a little dull just to have a bunch of recipes and chemistry. And so I wove through it uh, my family story, my personal story of how I learned a lot about uh, about personal care and home care um, and how I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So hopefully the narratives uh, keep things a little more spiced up than... Just a recipe book for home and body care. So, how
0: can our listeners get the book?
1: So, it's already available for pre-order on any any bookseller uh, that you like, uh, and it will ship on October 10th. Or you could just wait till October 10th, and you can get it a day or two after you hit uh, you click the buy. So, um, it's available in a hardcover, an ebook,
0: and an audiobook, uh, all releasing on October 10th. Any, uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Is there anything you'd like to discuss that we didn't cover,
1: oh, or my any goodness. closing
0: words of wisdom from you or your grandfather?
1: Well, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. My grandfather certainly got a lot of his words out there. So, I, I always want to encourage people to take a step back, take a deep breath and just settle down a little bit. Uh, people are always so eager to do something when it comes to how we take care of our bodies, how we take care of our houses, how we run our lives. Uh, and I'm always encouraging people just do less, take a step back, use fewer products, fewer ingredients, You know, add more white space into your life. Um, all of that, I, I feel like that's all the same topic, even though it's body care, house care, self care, but all about, just dial it down a little bit
0: less is more good words of wisdom lisa thank you for being on the show it was really a pleasure speaking with you and i really uh thank you and your company for being an inspiration of how you can do good business out there and and really take care of your employees your vendors and and the planet uh so thanks for joining us thank you so much it's been a joy to be here my guest this week was Lisa Browner, Dr. Browner's consumer educator spokesperson and author of the long-standing blog, Going Green with Lisa Browner, sharing her thoughts on a soap company that's kept its soul. Visit the GreensenseShow.com website to learn more about sponsorship. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Greensense and check out the Greensense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 FM WBDM Chicago. Green Sense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor growing system. Visit ceatechn.com to learn more.